environment. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Air Environment, which again is a part of the Jackson Cloud. If you're looking for a church during Corona, or you currently don't have a church and you want to try online church, jxncloud.com. Join us on the Discord server. You'll find all the links and the videos and the podcasts and all that there. And uh, we'll talk more. If you want to help us get the word out, give this a share or like or star rating on wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are going to kick it off. So Erin of the Air Environment, she is the environmentalist. I'm the urban pastor. And now it begins. What we worlds about collide. Um, World collides. World collide. Also, uh, if you want a really good community and talk with your favorite environmental scientist yours truly please join the discord because i'm on there all of the time so she, is, she stalks it early in the morning which for her is like midday but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have everything set to drop in the middle of the day it's a really good lunch break i'm just like ah, oh, jesus and some popcorn delicious so there you go i don't i don't eat popcorn for lunch but i, should. I didn't want to say anything but uh <laughs> It's giving you the benefit of the doubt. All right. Well, where are we headed today in the world of the environmental Aaron-ness? <laughs> uh, well, I want to talk about something that is, like, really relevant, um, considering, like, the socioeconomic political climate uh, world around us, and that is uh, climate justice, kind of like what it means and who is the most affected by it and what we can do to help. So, excuse me, I had uh, some soda before this. It was a bad plan. Uh, do you know what climate justice is, like, Jamin, when I say that, or is that kind of like a new term? Well, I would gather it would be... Well, I mean, like, I would think an example would be like taking care of the earth in ways that affect others, but I, I don't I don't I don't, I don't know. Well it's yeah, it's kind of in the same <laughs> realm as like social justice but more specific to the climate. So I could just like read your definition. But actually so like, um So like what? Well I'm thinking like if the climate was of another nation was affected because other people are enjoying themselves and ways that like quinoa <laughs> yeah no that's like quinoa is a great example i do okay so i harp on quinoa a lot uh just if anybody who knows me it drives me nuts because quinoa i believe is from i want to say peru mm-hmm. i want to say it's peru um where is quinoa from i always uh, thought it was well, from quinoa <laughs> yeah, I also thought it was pronounced Kanoa, and then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's fair." It is. It's from it's from uh, Peru. Yeah, uh, and 
that is where in the mountainous region where it's at, it's actually a main source of protein for like poor communities. Um, and then it got like really like in vogue for like liberal progressives because the, most of them are vegan or vegetarian. Um, and so like quinoa started to be manufactured in bulk there. And so it was being shipped out to the States where they could get more money for it. So locally the prices in Peru are so high that the people who rely on it can no longer benefit like from it as a protein because it's too expensive. Mm. So it's like a signature part of their diet that they can no longer afford to eat. And so that like this, like I harp on quinoa a lot. Avocado is something similar, but um, it's basically like the UN puts this more eloquently than I could because they have people writing for them. Um, the impacts of climate change they're not born equally or fairly between rich and poor, women and men, and the older and younger generations. Consequently, consequently, there has been a growing focus on climate justice, which looks at climate change through a human rights lens and on the belief that by working together, we can create a better future for present and future generations. So, uh, yeah, it's basically social justice, but through a lens of climate and how that's affecting it. So quinoa is an example of something like um, like something where people are trying to actively do better by, like I said, eating less meat. But instead of like sourcing local, they're just sourcing quite far. So it's it, like doing stuff like this is always a balance. You have to really think about what you're doing. And that would qualify as climate justice, not like environmental justice, or is that like the same idea or? So yeah, ecological and environmental justice are specifically different to climate change, climate justice. So climate justice only looks at the impacts of a social situation through the lens of climate breakdown, but um, ecological and environmental justice are things like quinoa and avocados because they're more popular. You cut down rainforests to plant more avocado fields. And in turn, it has an ecological impact. That is a contributor to climate breakdown. However, things like people who are affected by the climate are places like, um, do you know, have you ever heard of the Fertile Crescent? Uh, yeah, someone mentioned it four seconds ago. Yeah, so while... <laughs> that's it me. was you. you. I'm that person. It. I've heard of it now. <laughs> okay. You missed my joke. <laughs> I took it. Uh, it's a region in the Middle East that's home to our earliest civilizations where ancient Mesopotamia is located. It's the birthplace of agriculture as well as irrigation. Uh, until the 1970s, the landscape there was similar to that of southern Europe, but um, places in Iraq had like canals similar to like Venice or copious marshlands, and uh, that was known for like high quality of like dates and all sorts of orchards. Uh, however, most of this is now desert. So lands that were once fertile are now like they. Went, underwent a process of desertification because it's extremely hot there. The weather has created extremely hot summers with days easily above 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, like, it's bad. <laughs> um, and this is an impact impacting people who live there and they don't have ways to get as much food, but there's no one really talking about how to fix that 
Uh, and so when we say climate justice, we want we want justice for these people because as a global issue, we're a global community. So it's not just relegated to specifically one region or another, although some parts are impacted more than others. Like it's important to remember climate breakdown will not be the same for everyone. And we have to recognize that this will affect some people more profoundly before most major effects ever reach like any of us who live in like extreme Northern or Southern hemispheres. Like, I've spent many episodes, like, talking about caring for the environment, I like to think, <laughs> and its habitats and ecosystems for the benefit of organisms that live here, as, like, plants and animals and bugs or whatever. But as Christians, it's our responsibility to look after the Earth, but we're also responsible to look after our fellow man. Uh, like, Jamin, I hope that you would agree <laughs> as a pastor. I agree. <laughs> fellow man <laughs> so yeah it's it would be wrong to discuss climate breakdown or climate change without addressing how we as human beings are coping with it so, would you say that it's usually does it fit into a lot of things that justice do where it's oftentimes like the better off people kind of persecuting the less off people or is it like pretty well off people around the world being infected by pretty well off people yeah so it's pretty it's um our vulnerable communities that are affected by our first world or more well-off communities because they actively don't partake like they're not being as strongly affected Mm -hmm. um, because we live in a privileged society and we live in a northern hemisphere or most mostly southern hemisphere society like that of Australia. Um, and so we don't feel immediate effects. Um, as it is no surprise to you, like uh, places that are near to the equator are affected more heavily because as climate is changing, our climate overall is becoming warmer so so things at the equator are already hot so now it's getting hotter while southern and northern countries we still have a while before like supply our, our personal supply chains suffer noticeable consequences yeah so it's like with many justice issues is people don't wake up to it until they're affected by it and mm-hmm because there's sometimes such a big gap between the poor and the rich or however you would identify that with something like this is no one's yeah. really responding until they feel the pain of it. Right. It's like, oh, well, you don't feel the pain until your purse is being like squeezed. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and the most direct way of discussing uh, climate justice is actually through like discussing agriculture and farmland, because that is the most immediate way to understand how it, how things are being affected. Since most of our food is shipped around on a global scale, uh, climate and agriculture are more intrinsically linked than ever before. We like when I was saying, when I am constantly saying like, Oh, we should buy local. And that's not just because, it's like stuff isn't being shipped as far. It's that people who need the food near them can have it. And also it's like not attributing to climate change. And then if you're living in an area that was fertile, but now 
is less fertile and you're having to ship all your food away, there's no justice for those people who now no longer have food. So, yeah. Yeah. Like changes in rainfall, average temperature, heat waves, pest disease, atmospheric CO2 level concentrations all change nutritional quality and quantity of the food that we can grow. So while this started as a climate justice, now I'm talking more about agriculture. But like I said, they are pretty intrinsically linked. Um, yeah. It sounds the same to the average Joe. You're fine. <laughs> And yeah. I brought up the, uh, what were you saying? No, you go ahead. Uh, I was saying I brought up the Fertile Crescent because it is, like, many people call it, like, the birthplace of civilization because many things in ancient Mesopotamia, like, the way we irrigate crops was, like, created there. So it's, like, like the cradle of, like, civilization and technology, and it's a very famous part of the world for being so lush, but it's like so evident that it's not anymore so it's one of those things where it's like oh <laughs> drops you in your head yeah well i would say like with many things with justice uh it's not always about like waiting till you feel the pain to react it's about seeing it where it's at and doing something about it then but it's also about like prevention efforts to hey we suspect that if we keep going this route it's going to affect so and so in this way and so we mm -hmm. need to, like, be paying attention to things ahead of time so that we don't throw people's life into a tailspin because of whatever action we take. So that's the interesting thing about uh, prophecy in the Bible is, so, like, in the Old Testament, if you, mm -hmm. if you said something as a prophet and it didn't happen, you were considered, like, a false prophet. But by the time you get to Jeremiah that narrative changes a little bit where he's like, look, Jeremiah, uh, watch that guy making that pot in there around the potter's wheel or whatever they're called. You know, he's like, <laughs> watch him as he makes that. He's like, I want to teach you something with this. And after the guy builds a pot, he tells Jeremiah, he's like, now that guy who made that can break that if he wants, or mm -hmm. he can keep it if he wants. And like the whole point of the illustration was, like a, a better understanding of prophecy from God was I speak prophecy into place and then I decide based on how things go, if that's going to happen or not. So if I give you a word of judgment, you speak it out and people respond well, maybe I won't make that thing happen that I said would happen. So like Nineveh is an example, right? Right. Nineveh is told... This place is going to be burned down or whatever. You're going to have your own little Sodom and Gomorrah episode. But then they respond well. And God's like, okay, not going to do it. So even though the prophetic word was spoken, didn't happen. Anyways, my point in all of this, and here's where I'm trying <laughs> to connect it. My point in all of this <laughs> is the successful prophet looks like a false prophet. Right. Because they somehow actually convince people to do the right thing. And therefore, the thing that God said was going to happen never happened. So they look at them and like, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. We did all this for nothing. It's like, no, it didn't happen because you, it's the same thing with like Michigan well, right now with Corona. Is everyone's I, like, like I've, been, I've been saying so long with COVID that um, yeah. 
Like, if we do everything we're supposed to do, it should feel like we did it for nothing. Like, yep. like it honestly should. Like, I, I was telling people at the beginning of this in March, like, what is your pride worth to you? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's literally what this is. Uh, like, if if you honestly want, if you do everything and you're frustrated and it looks like nothing's happening and people aren't dying, then good thing, that's correct. Yeah. Like, like, I I am honestly okay with, like, sitting around talking about how, how it's so bad and it's all going to be terrible and everybody stays at home and then I look like a fool. I am 100% okay with that if that means lives are saved. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally that's get what it. A lot of, that, yeah, that's what a lot of people in Michigan do with Governor Whitmer is, like, she said, you know, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And, right. and look, it's not happening. It's like, yes, we were all mandated <laughs> to stay home like that's part yeah. of why it didn't happen is you looked at justicely what is ahead of us it's called prevention and then <laughs> you prevented me. it as best you could therefore it didn't happen so you look like a false prophet but in reality the prevention or the original word that was spoken gave rise to right the the better thing that could have happened the better response so i'm using a vast analogy here you know but uh i think the point is taken. so the same thing with like climate justice if you will is like yes it's seeing it and calling it out and saying we need to change this but it's also like prevention mess uh prevention in place to stop things from happening in the first place uh, yeah, it's it's definitely that it's acknowledging what's happening and not ignoring it and yeah, I just like there's impacts all over the world too, and it's you can't just point and say, "Oh, it's just happening to Africa." Africa is, as a continent, is being hit the hardest because of where it's located and where the bulk of its like um, agriculture is, obviously. But like last year with the bushfires in New Zealand, and not New Zealand, pfft, New Zealand didn't have bushfires in Australia. Like that was partially because of like bush management but also because of like climate breakdown there's much there's much more fires happening this season and it was like the whole continent was on fire because it was lasting longer our hurricane season in the states every year it gets longer and longer and longer the wildfires in california and the rocky mountains they longer and longer and longer like the polar vortex, um, great example of this. So there's pockets of air. Do you know what the polar vortex is? So there's oh, like yeah. pockets of air. And because it's warming up, this air pocket that used, used to circulate circulate over the Arctic is wobbling. So when you get, and it happens in Russia too. So when you get a, a wobble downward, that's actually just freezing cold polar air wobbling down and then going back up again eventually where it goes back where it belongs so Mm -hmm. like it's just like like we have small little things but those are all seasonal quote unquote so it's easy for us to like throw it off or um not think about it or (laughs) sit there and say well this is different like the great lakes have really high levels this year Mm-hmm. But that is reliant on, um, like, uh, rainfall, weather, 
in 2013, the Great Lakes water levels were the lowest they've ever been. Like, terrifyingly low. In 20 uh, what? 2013. Oh, okay. So now they're, like, skyrocketing up. Yeah, so the water levels in the lakes, are, like I said, they're dependent on weather patterns. With an average rainfall of 27 inches a year, the last five years have been the wettest on record in the Midwest. So as a result of obviously high rainfall, all the levels have risen. But like I said, in 2013, both Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan, Lake Michigan, Michigan. and Lake Huron, Lake Michigan is those two lakes just smushed together. Um, Lake Michigan and Lake Huron hit record lows due to well below average rainfall and high temperatures of the two previous years. But the Great Lakes overall are warming up. Like, they're an average of a one and a half degrees Fahrenheit warmer than they were in 1995. So, like, long-term heat means long-term evaporation, which means, like, slowly over time, the lakes will be getting smaller. But as human beings, we only see what's happening right in front of us. And we can't, like, a lot of times acknowledge long-term effects of something in the future or in the past. Mm. Um, Which... (laughs) What? Well, is is that is that all example of kind of climate justice, or is that uh... those are those are just examples of things that are affecting us right now from the climate? Yeah. So specifically, climate justice is people asking for justice for these communities that are the most vulnerably hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like like I said, in the states, we've already seen like impacts of these, but specifically. most vulnerable communities are the ones who are hit the hardest like for the polar vortex it's people who can't afford to heat their homes adequately in the winter like two winters ago it was so cold i remember talking to my sister on skype and her door handle was frozen solid inside her apartment yeah that broke our church door with that yeah it was too cold to fix it (laughs) But, like, she, luckily, she could afford to heat her home. Like, people, people, not everybody can afford to keep their homes warm enough or could at the time. Or, like, homeless, they don't have a place to stay because they live on the street and we ignore, ignore them as people. Like, everybody's guilty of walking by them on the street. Like, and they're being affected the most. Like, um people who can't afford to rebuild their homes after hurricanes or fires. Like those are the people that go ignored so much in, in discussions about climate breakdown. Uh, and they're often over overlooked is that is not the right word. But when we talk about conservation, we talk about conservation of plants and organisms and habitats, which is important. It's absolutely important. Because it's these breakdowns that are causing it. But we also have to look at um, the people. Because soon we're going to start having climate refugees. Like migrating to more more extreme points on the globe. More northern and southern like points. Because it's not unbearably hot. Like living on the surface of the sun as an exaggeration. So like when we when we say climate justice, we're talking about these are things that are happening, but now we need to look at how it's affecting the people. It should be noted that these are people's lives and homes and not just plants or animals, which is like, it's a very real issue to human beings. Mm. So when we as Christians stand boldly in the face of these people, <laughs> and we 
don't say and we and people will say climate change or climate breakdown is a myth like we are in essence saying i do not care about you and that is like jesus would be mad at us <laughs> if we did that yeah and i think biblically you can make a case that god has uh called his people to to be good news in the face of climate justice in the past you know like think of Joseph, he has a dream about, hey, there's famine coming. Things are right. going to mess things up. I need you to get ahead of this game to save people's lives. You know, that's kind of like God and climate justice right there. Uh, you fast forward to the New Testament. You've got the prophet Agabus and Acts, who's just like, uh, um, there's a famine coming. And the church then gets ready ahead of time so that they can take care of one another when that time comes. And I imagine they're probably taking care of others as well. So like there's these moments throughout scripture where it's like climate justice is ahead of us. Prevention measures, you know, get those. Well, you know, they may not have known much about how to change the climate or what they could do, but they had these moments where it's like, we need to get ready to take care of one another in the midst of that. Right. Um, and so, yeah. It's it's not like a new conversation when you think of it that way, I guess. No, I guess you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. Like historically, we've had like famine, and then we've taken steps to mitigate that because we haven't forgotten everyone. Like that is a great example of like like us taking care of vulnerable communities as sanctioned by God. So like as Christians, it's in our past. It's in our like history. Like so we have already have precedent aside from it's our fellow man and we should care for them if you actually need more stuff um for that. But it's also like today's world is so interconnected that like even if you feel like there's not a whole lot you can do, there is a lot you can do. So like uh there's an organization called Friends of the Earth International and they actively fight for um, social issues that involve climate so they like climate breakdown conservation climate justice like they campaign for it um to to help these people's lives improve and they put out stuff like to help i i'm losing my words anyway f friends of the earth is a really good organization they want governments to take responsibility for the problem and they almost are like a lobbying group where they they sh they talk to governments try to set laws in place to help these communities and but also they campaign to inform the public of these things mm -hmm. uh, another example is i'm sure everybody's heard of if you haven't i would be surprised is ex the extinction rebellion um if you heard about this okay so it is massive in europe <laughs> Uh, Are you surprised? Uh, no, uh, it is massive in you Europe. You'd be surprised if I hadn't heard about it. I am surprised, actually, because it's massive where I live. Partially because it was founded in the United Kingdom in May of 2018. Oh, it's well, a no wonder you've heard about it. It is honestly, it was trending for almost half a year here. Like it is huge it's a global glass grassroots movement trying to bring the issue of climate breakdown to the front of every government so the organization has three specific aims um and i have them here but i also have a million tabs open so there's like three articles in the last 
few hours that immediately popped up. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. The government must tell... They have three specific aims, and it's the government must tell the truth, declaring a climate and ecological emergency with other institutions to communicate urgency for change. The government must act to halt biodiversity loss and reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 2025. The government must create and be led by the decisions of a citizens' assembly on climate and ecological justice. And when the movement expanded to the U.S., a further demand was added to the list, and it reiterates the climate justice says we demand a just transition that provides the most vulnerable people and indigenous sovereignty establishes reparations and remediation led by and for black people indigenous people people of color poor communities for years of environmental injustice established legal rights for ecosystems to thrive and regenerate in perpetuity and repairs the effects of ongoing ecocide and prevent extinction of human and all species in order to remain maintain a livable, just planet for all. So Extinction Rebellion operates, they're a bit more extreme. They operate through civil disobedience. So a lot of times they will protest in areas where they are occupying like for a while. So in London last year, they occupied three main bridge crossings um, and they just set up like, gardens and places to hang out and had speeches but they were occupying actual public land so people will get arrested for that and their idea for that is to get so many people arrested that it becomes absurd Mm -hmm. uh last year actually that that is partially why it gained traction because hundreds and hundreds of people were being arrested in london for this one issue uh, and so finally, last year, uh, the UK government climate emergency, um, like in the short time that Extinction Rebellion has existed, they've managed to achieve quite a lot. Like last year was a landmark year for the issue of climate uh, breakdown being brought to the front of everyone's thoughts. This and with the addition of the, of the work of the climate activist Greta Thunberg, I'm sure you've heard of her. Have you heard of her? Well, no, I have. I'm just okay. Kidding. I'm like, oh my goodness, like, Jamin, <laughs> the child, right? She is a 17 year old human being. Yes. Sorry, I, I've only seen a picture. I didn't know how old. So she is autistic, and she was stressed out about how nobody was doing anything, and how she felt like she had no future. So she started to protest outside of the Swedish parliament. And from there, it every Friday she would strike from school. She would just go and sit outside and it was like striking for climate. And from there it's grown into a worldwide movement where kids all over will strike about it. Obviously this year has been uh, quite different. Like change is happening though. Like people are like talking about it and many world governments have declared climate emergencies in the last two years. Uh, granted, like I said, the momentum has been stalled slightly because of COVID-19, but it's still like it's still being discussed. Um, we are supposed to have a summit in Glasgow, uh, Scotland this year for uh, climate change um, and climate breakdown. But obviously that's been popo- postponed till 2020. So all of these events are still going to happen. They're just going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. So. That's there's a lot of good things. So I don't want to say that this is hopeless, but I also want to point out that it's important that we don't deny what's happening to our fellow man. And it's easy 
to deny what's happening to a plant, but not necessarily a living and feeling human being. So as Christians, like we need to act and support vulnerable communities. Um, so, but that also nicely is, it goes hand in hand with social justice because climate justice and social justice both um, encompass that thought and feeling. Just one is specifically in relation to climate breakdown while the other is like social changes. Mm. But often the communities that are vulnerable overlap in that manner. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. Overlap? I just meant everything's <laughs> it's like a word, you know. People say that in the church. It's a good word. Oh. Maybe they don't say that in Scotland. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's a good Curly yeah. Charlie. That's probably what they say. Sure. Yeah, good I just post. I didn't want to continue to talk about the environment and ignore uh, people because we are existing upon this planet as well. So it they deserve a spotlight to talk about like how people are being affected by this and it's not an abstract thought of yeah. just like that very rare cat. Yep. I'm sorry, I saw an orange cat jump on your lap earlier, and I got distracted. It's true. I don't know where Garfield went, but it's, uh, somewhere. He looks fun. Yeah, he's very bony. <laughs> I, I had to put him down after he jumped on my lap because I was afraid I was going to crush him just by petting him. Oh, okay. Uh, what was I about to say? Something, something. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. It's fiction, but. It made me just realize, because it's based on like true facts type things. It's, right. It's, and uh, made me just realize some people, their entire lives from the moment of birth is just, it's basically just hell, you know? Like they're born into hell on earth and sold into hell on earth and die with hell on earth and right and really it's an overwhelming feeling you know like how do you save and help and change that for everyone but mm-hmm. uh you know if you don't have these conversations and whatnot you continue to kind of create the world that especially you know just kids just born and just hell all the way to the end it's just uh right it's overwhelming, and we we can either try to fix that through any means of justice that come around, or we can just kind of be like, well, it's just the way things are. And yeah, at the very least, it, you know. talking about it does vol- volumes more than just thinking about it. Yeah, like having those conversations, as hard as they are, because they are, they're not easy, mm. but we need to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like I've given that like bond connect inspire like model before but and you've said very rightly so that is exactly how you would um uh witness to someone um but that is like very helpful when you're trying to have a conversation about something that is difficult um yeah and may seem hopeless but it's not if as human beings we all work together we can accomplish anything 
like as a coalition for sure like you're not alone and that's so important to remember too is that it can feel helpless and you can feel overwhelmed but you're not the only person who feels that way and we're all trying to work towards a better future for everyone and that's really important to remember Mm. yeah do you have uh, any quick like if you want to fight climate justice right now, here's a few things you could start implementing or is today just knowledge day. Uh, well, I was looking for that. That's why I offered uh, friends of the earth international mm-hmm. uh, extinction rebellion. If you really want to get out there and do more things, um, I would suggest maybe looking for a local chapter of a conservation organization to volunteer with. Um, uh, that like that all the regular climate stuff that I always say that you mm-hmm. can do uh, because when you're doing those it it helps them as well like I was talking about eating food locally if there wasn't a large man demand for like f- food <laughs> from other places then they would have access to that <laughs> just regular climate things and talking about it uh, online. Uh, and I'll probably be spending the week, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, at E-R-I-N environment, <laughs> air environment, uh, I'm just going to be like posting links to climate justice organizations all week. Yeah. Uh, or if you're on the Discord, I'll pop them up there too. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's m- definitely more of a knowledge because it gets overlooked, but there are things that you can do, like getting involved, talking about it. Excellent. For sure. I know Ken Brewer, professor over at Spring Arbor University, was helping or leading some kind of uh, initiative into environmental Ooh. concerns. I don't know if that got into climate justice things per se, but I'm sure he ran into enough organizations while he did or was doing it that he might be someone to talk to. If anybody wants to learn a little more about what we might be doing directly mm-hmm. in our area. Yeah, it's hard sometimes when I'm talking because I'm just like, how global and slash local do I <laughs> talk about yeah. stuff? Well, you can hit it all. You might as well. It's punch, one, two, punch. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, anything else before we let you go? Uh, I love you all very much. How's that? <laughs> Oh, it's cute. <laughs> Thank you.